Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Argyle Chat. We have a very special guest joining regulars Chris Errington and Jack Ball this week. A massive welcome to Anthony Sarsovich, reigning or newly crowned Plymouth Argyle Player of the Year. Hi, Sars. Hiya, you okay? Very well. And Jack and Chris, welcome aboard. Afternoon. Hi, Stu. Hope all's well. Yeah, very good. Thanks. Well, Sars, as we say, thanks for coming on. How are you? Yeah, pleasure. No, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm good. Um, hopefully getting nearer to this the start of football soon. So, yeah, I can see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel now. So, it's... I'm in a bit of a better place than I was probably a couple of weeks ago, to say that for sure. Yeah. Have you been watching been watching much of the football? Yeah, of course, yeah. Um the missus isn't too happy that there's like a game <laughs> on every day. So uh no, yeah, it's been good, hasn't it? For for everyone, obviously all the football fans, it's been it's been brilliant, yeah. Strange though, isn't it? Without the fact without the fans, it's uh it's football, but not as we know it, isn't it? Well, definitely. I, you know, I speak I was watching a few of my dad and I was just saying like it must be so hard for the players. It's, you know, you look at like the the teams fighting relegation or teams fighting to go up. Like, you know, the fans give you an extra bit of, you know, a bit of more like an energy to go to go out. So I just think it's. I feel like a bit bit sorry for the players because, you know, you can go into games half hearted and, and get away with it. So, yeah, it's not it's not great. It's not great. It's some, I don't think I'd enjoy it very much. I saw that there was there was a stat pal yesterday, something like there's been 16 games involving the relegated the teams in the relegation zone in the Premier League, and they've not won any of them. I think they've drawn three and lost the other. Yeah, you go. That's exactly. It. I think I think the the most one I was thinking about is like I look at Watford. You know, the last game before this, where they beat Liverpool three 0 at home. Yeah. And I think that just speaks volumes. You know, being at home and having the crowd is a massive is a massive boost for the teams who are who are fighting for something. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first things first, since us, we can't have you on here without asking about your departure from Argyle. We've had a great response from fans submitting questions for you. So here are some of them regarding your departure. Matt Corey and Edward Watts, uh, they want to ask why. So we'll start with that. How did the decision come about? As I was just saying then, I said earlier, like, as, as honestly, like it, fans need to know it's not something that, you know, you, 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 you make that decision. It's, it's a massive, massive decision that, that I had to make and something that me and my family took a lot of time to considering it. Like, you know, I was up in, in the end of the, uh, at the end of the season, obviously tragically this coronavirus hit and you sort of was in a bit of limbo, but it was something that we sort of made um, decisions sort of made towards the end that, that um, I wanted to see my time out this season and then um, sort of take me and my family back home and, and, and start, start again up here. Did, did, I was going to say, did, sorry, I was just going to say one, one thing that I was wondering is, did the whole coronavirus thing, does that make you want to be around family even more? Because that's something that some people have talked about. It sort of reminded people about things like that. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, like I said, I, we sort of made a decision before that. It was, it was sort of like my eldest, my little boy now, he's going to be four in December. And like, for us, it's pretty important. A bit, a very important age is going to be starting school, etc. So, it was. Um, listen, honestly, I need to reiterate um, as much as I can to the fans and, and to you guys that it was a, a difficult decision. And, and like I said, I've, me and my family have, have settled very well. But like you just said, coronavirus hit. You know, it's been us four for 
the whole time in Plymouth. You know, we haven't they haven't seen the Nana and Grandad for six to eight months, and yeah, all of that plays a massive part. And then obviously now being back home for a couple of days, it's it's such a it's such a nice feeling, and and it makes the decision a bit a bit easier. Like I want to reiterate that again, it's a bit easier because it's just nice to see to see the boys around the the family members. Mm. Jamie, Jamie Halpin's been in touch with us, uh, Sars, and he said, I appreciate you are a family man and you wanted to go back up north, but you said you and your family were settled in Plymouth. So why didn't you give League One a go? One season potentially away from the championship. I mean, I think you've touched on it there. Um, yeah, family is, is so important to people, isn't it? Yeah. I think if you, honestly, I think if you speak to, to any player or management staff who have children and are in the game and they're away from home and, and children come into their life, it's a massive, massive part of your life and, you know, they take a big chunk of it. And for me, having my boys, they've loved it. They've, we've raised them down in Plymouth, but I just feel like it was the time that I wanted to settle them fully, settle them down, um, make sure that, that, that they feel safe, they feel settled and, and that they're ready for, for their for their futures and, and, and they're not getting, you know, dragged in and out of schools and, Family members come every couple of months. I just, I didn't want a, um, a sort of a mix-up of a life for him, and, and and that was a that was a big decision, and that's one that we, me and uh, me and Kate made. Um, another person that's been in touch is Archie Scrass. I probably pronounced that wrong. It could be Scrass. I'm not sure. Archie, anyway, he says, how much of a risk is it leaving Argyle, being a fan's favourite, paying in front of ten thousand plus? as well as playing in a formation which seemingly gets the best out of you, none of which can be taken for granted. I was, just gonna, I was wondering, you know, football can be a weird game, can't it? You can be playing it particularly well and all can be going well, or you can get an injury and it can all suddenly go horribly wrong. So yeah. how much does being in the right team at the right time play into your mind? No, it's massive. It's, it's, it's massive. Like, you know, seasons like last season don't come like every season. You know, they're, they're special ones and that's what it was. Um, and of course, it's, it's a massive risk my decision to leave Argyle, having built such a, a, a great relationship with the club, the fans, and getting that promotion, it was a massive decision. But it's one I have confidence in my ability. I have confidence in my decision making, and and it's only me and myself and my family that can make the next move as successful as this one. And part of the problem that's been talked about for a long time for Plymouth is the, the geography of the area, how far away it is from everywhere. How much of an issue was that for you, and how? how Originally, when you were first thinking about coming to Plymouth, what what was that sort of like for you? Um, I've I've, I've um, I don't know if you've seen, but I've I've done a, a couple um, a couple uh, Zoom calls with talking about my career and stuff. And the move to Argyle was um, basically Argyle um, rejuvenated my career, like it got me going again. Before that move, I was in a bit of a, a bit of a bad place, and and it was one of them. I had a couple of offers, but as soon as Plymouth Argyle comes available at that time in my career where I was at, I had to take it. Um, and Kate, my partner, she's always stuck by me. She would never stand in my way. And, and she was fully supportive of my move because she understands that I am the one making the football decisions because based on that, Plymouth Argyle was too good to, to not come to at that time in my career. And did the distance have much of an impact or because of right, the... At the time, probably not because my eldest was only a baby. So, mm. you know... Kate was obviously just a new mum, but she was fully ready to come and settle and and um, and come and, and commit to coming down to Plymouth with me. So we we were all we were all for it, and we and we and we, we just attacked it, and it turned out to be probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. 
Richard Sloman says, thanks for all your efforts in a green chart, Anthony. Uh, can you explain to us fans who maybe don't understand how difficult living away from your spouse's and spouse's family is? Uh, and where is it you were brought up, please? Yeah, so I'm, I'm based um, in a place called Hyde. It's just sort of on the, on the outskirts of Stockport. Um, but take, coming down to Plymouth is, is one of them, you, you, you have to commit to it. That's the biggest thing I can say. And that's what I've sort of tried to implement to the new signings that have come is make sure you're in it. Because if you're not fully in it, you, 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 you're just going to be useless to the, to, to the squad and to the club. You have to commit to your decision and fully go for it like I did. And, and you just need to know that when they go to Plymouth Argyle, you need to commit and you need to be full for it because you'll be found out and it's not a forgiving sort of situation you want to be in if, you, if you're not performing for the Green Army because they are a, a, proud, a proud set of fans and, and you, need to, you need to show that when you wear the shirt as well. How much did the club play a part in helping not so much you, because I think the footballer kind of gets looked after, really, but yeah. you, you speak about Kate there and, you, and your kids. How much did yeah. the club help them settle in the area as well? It was more, uh, I have to say his name, because it was, for me, Luke McCormick was probably the best captain that, um, and slash player at the time, probably that I, I've ever been uh, involved with. He, he understood that, what I just said, which I've tried to stem on to lads coming down now, whilst, like me, Gary Sawyer and stuff like that. It was just Luke McCormick. He, he took a massive weight off my shoulders. He, he took me in and he, his, his Naomi, his partner, was brilliant. She, she sort of made a group chat for the, for the players' missuses and girlfriends. And, and that's because you've got to do that. You, yeah. you know, everyone's in it together. And he was a massive, massive part of of me settling in and and it was for a lot of lads that joined as well at the time I can I can safely say that and he was he, he was just a great captain a great great person and he made me and Kate um, settle in straight away and that was that that helps massively ask the, the 64 million dollar question so what is the situation with you at the moment do you have a club lined up for next season situation is just probably what 14 other 1400 other players are in at the minute is is interest, talks, do I want to go there, do I not want to go there? And for me now, like we've just touched upon before, it's it's a massive decision I've got to make because I've got to implement what I took from our guy and I want to try and take that into my next club and I've got to make sure that everything around, not just the football, but obviously moving back up north now, it all fits fits together and that's the biggest decision I've got to make. And and I can safely say it, uh, it will be happening in the next couple of days. I'm quite confident. It must be quite exciting, though. You know, you know, you'd be disappointed to, or not disappointed, but you, you'll look back on your time with Argyle with fondness. But there's a there's a new challenge just around the corner, isn't there? Yeah, and that's it, Chris. Like, you know, that's this is what I want to say to fans. I'm a football fan myself, so I, I completely get it. We, I've had the best three and a half years at a, a club that's close to my heart now. And that's the next thing now. I'm, I'm now excited to see what is next in my career. And, and obviously, when I retire and look back, you know, it's something I'll look back with and think it's the best decision I did. And now I look at it as now that my future is, is exciting now and I want to see where it takes me. And what's it like in the modern day world? Obviously, you're on social media. I don't, I don't know how often you, you use it, but you see everyone speculating about your future, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Well, you have to turn notifications off, I imagine, on your phone. Otherwise, yeah. it won't stop beeping, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. But can it get a bit too much? Or, or do you find it easy to take it with a pinch of salt? You, you do take it with a pinch of salt. Like, listen, like I said, I'm a fan. You take a pinch of salt, you have a laugh. Sometimes you get annoyed. You look at things and you, it frustrates you, you know. But I just find it absolutely fascinating how people can think they know what I earn, what how much money I earn, what I'm going to earn at my next club. And that fascinates you more than anything, which obviously like we get to is fans and they throw things. But like you said, I take for a pinch off. I'm on social media. I look at it. I, I take part in it. And it's interesting. Right now, social media is probably the, the biggest platform for everyone to, to, to see what's happening in the world and stuff. So um, I'm sure in the next couple of days, people will see what, what, um, what happens. And do footballers get... Do footballers get any sort of help with how to do with social media or like from, from anyone? Yeah, yeah, you do. Of course you do. Yeah, the, you know, we have regular meetings, the PFA hold regular meetings right. and they make sure that you, you know how to handle yourself on social media. You listen, you, if you're on social media, you're there, for, you're there in the firing line anyway. So it's down, it's your decision to have it or not have it. And if you do have it, you've got, you've got to take the good with the good and the bad with the bad and, and you've got to deal with it as, as maturely as you can. I thought that was an interesting thing you said about wages because I think people play games like Football Manager where, of course, you get the wages. I was going to say that, yeah. I was going to say that. take that as gospel, do you know what I mean? But I look at that and I think, I wish I was <laughs> on what I was on Football Manager. <laughs> so, so you've had, obviously, three and a half seasons at Argyle, two promotions, one relegation. And we'll talk about the relegation season a little later. But how did the two... I know you were only there for half a year for the first one, but how did yeah. the promotion season sort of compare? The first one's still massive for me, even though I joined halfway through. I still feel like I, you know, I played a, a big part in it, and for me, it was massive and, and probably more, more, more as important as the the last one, just because I I, I got to realise the magnitude and the the size of our guy when we got promoted and how big of a deal it was and stuff like that, and then that obviously stemmed into the next season and keeping trying to progress and progress, and then like I said um, about this season is. The biggest thing for me was righting the wrongs because there's no way that Plymouth Argyle should ever have a relegation on the CV and, and um, be playing in League Two. Is it is it easy to, as a player, especially when you're going through a bad patch, is it easy to fall out of love with football? Or can... Definitely. And that's what I touched upon before. Before like That's sort of what happened before I joined Plymouth and, and that was a, a big thing about coming is because I seen it as a fresh start and maybe taking myself away from from where, I, where I've been for all my life, at that time, I was in a bit of a dark place, football and off football. So it's definitely 100% a big thing in football that it can affect you, definitely. Uh, Will PAFC asks, what was it like working under Derek Adams and Ryan Lowe? And what was the biggest difference between the two? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a big difference. Uh, but, but two managers that are very successful, obviously, right... The gaffer at the minute, he's new in his career. You know, he's still he's still fairly new, and and obviously Derek was, you know, he's experienced now, and they and they both have been success in in what in each way that they do manage. But I, like I said in my my tweet when I left, I, um, a big big massive um, thanks has to go to Derek because he brought me to the football club. He he made all this happen by bringing me. So, and I enjoyed every my time under Derek. I really did, and. And what's it? Um, and it was it was sad to see them go, but and then you've got Ryan now who's come in, and he's just as you can see, he's just lifted the place a, a million percent, and and I, I can only see now that the future's bright for Argyle, definitely. 
Uh, well, welcome back to the second half of the podcast, a special podcast this week with um, Anthony Sarsovich. Chris, I think you're going to take up the next question. Okay, well, so after Argyle's um, first promotion, uh, they went up to League One, of course, and it yeah. started badly and the team were, were struggling, but then the team went on an unbelievable run and um, almost got into the playoff places. There was a Sky TV game up at Scunthorpe at the back end of the season where it was nip and tuck. You know, looking back on that season, you know, started badly, finished superbly. What, yeah. what are your memories? How did, how did that season change so much? Um, I, I, you know what? Funny, I would say it was lich after the Christmas do, and I'd probably say, you know what? It probably needed no, but I'm obviously I'm just joking. But it was literally just. I said it. Um, we was coming out of games, and we weren't thinking, "Wow!" Like I, we were thinking, "Is you know, we we're a good team. We're just not winning games." That's how we seriously felt. But then, obviously, as games keep going, you can't come into the change room after every game and say the same thing. So it was sort of like, we look, we need to seriously act on this now because we know we are, but we can't keep coming in and saying the same thing. So I think it was just a case of like, once we got that win that was massive, I think it was MK Don's away, which is like freakishly like, Gaz saw you scored. So that's, <laughs> that just sort of like, that's what I think is scary that it summed it up. There's that Gaz scored. And then I feel like that from that, from that game, it was just, confidence and and that's all I think it was like I genuinely look back and I think that was such a special moment in my career because I genuinely before every game was like we're going to win this game and that's how the lads felt and it was a special it was honestly a special time because we went on a run that I don't think I'll ever do again in my career and it was just such a shame that we we got a few injuries towards the end because I really feel like we would have pushed on and I I would have fancied us in the playoffs definitely you you were struggling to do those What's that? Sorry. Just, just Chris um, Sars, you know, you, you were struggling with an injury at that season as well. I mean, it, yeah. it was literally down to the players were sort of playing injured all the time, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Like, I look back, I was for about two months. I I was taking every possible painkiller yeah. that I could into my body every Saturday, and it was the Bradford at home game that it was just too much, and I obviously missed then another six weeks after that. Then I sort of come back, but wasn't fully, fully ready. And then I broke down again. And then I think, I think Tails and Oscar. And it was just there, like big, they were big players for us at the time. And you looked at the depth in squad and I just think we were missing probably one or two players that could have come in and, and maybe just done a job to get us over the line. But it is what it is. We, we obviously finished strongly and it's definitely a season. Obviously, I know we only finished out of the playoffs, but it was definitely a season to remember. You touched on the Christmas do that. I mean, you can train as much as you like, Sars, but sometimes you just need a social to bring everyone together, have a laugh and take the yeah. pressure with you, I guess. Yeah, I think, you know what, I think that's a massive thing now because that's what, um, when Ryan Lowe come in this in the summer, he was big on that. He said, I'm bringing, obviously, a, a fresh bunch of players down. I want you... And it was literally from the first day of pre-season, he was all about... Like keeping a family, like a family unit as a squad, and I, I think that, I think that's a massive in in having a successful season. Do you think that's even more so down in Plymouth, where you are so far away from yeah. everyone? Yeah, definitely, definitely, and 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 like you said, like we're all you all live within a, a radius of each other, so you're always together, and and 
it's I just think it's I think that's massive. You, you can have all the talented players as much as you want in the squad, but if you haven't got a unit, a strong family unit or a togetherness in the squad, then I, I just don't think you, you, you would do well anyway. And obviously, the second season in League One and ended up in relegation, as we all know. It was a tough season to watch. You know, fans sometimes can accuse players of not really caring too much and it's just a job to them, they don't really care. But can you sort of explain just how much that season hurt, especially, you know, towards the sort of yeah. defining points of that season? It, it like, I'm just speaking for myself, like, it was one, it's, it's something that I will never forget. Like, it, it hurt me so much because. I've never had a relegation on my CV, and when I, when it was happening at a club like Plymouth Argyle, where it, like I said before, it's ten thousand fans plus, it's it's heartbreaking. It really is, and and it was such a um, a moment where you you it's hard to express a sorriness to the fans and stuff because they're angry and and that's understandably so. But from my point of view, I just wish I could have like you know apologised in a way to say that this shouldn't have happened, but it was unbelievable to see how much they stuck with us, even walking off the pitch at the end. Like it, you know, it was it was unbelievable that you know they shown a togetherness to say that we're, we're with you, the players, and and then that's that was a massive thing that I I stemmed on to this year to the new players coming in is that listen, like you know, we owe something massive back to these fans and the club to get this club back and and and. I'm just made up. Is that I've, I've I can I, I can hold my head up, head up high now, leaving saying, you know, I, I've got it back to where 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 it belongs and where I said I wanted it to be. And you mentioned in the season before that, you know, the League One season, you went into every game thinking we're going to win this game, and you went yeah. on that incredible run. How hard is it on the flip side when you you are struggling mentally? Yeah. How hard is it? It's so hard. It's so hard. It's just you don't think you know you're a bad player. You don't think you're a bad team, but it's just you know it's it's. I can't put my head on it. You're going into games thinking, like, how are we going to win this game? Like, you know, we, you know, you, you, we, towards the end, we had like Barnsley's and clubs like that, teams like that who were flying, and mm. you just obviously shot for confidence, and you just, you know, you're just praying that a little result or a little bit of luck would get you through and and help you progress by just staying up in the league. But we just obviously didn't have that, and it, and it was it was really hard. It was a tough, tough, tough end to the season. Does that make training hard as well? Because obviously fans are only there for the games, aren't they? But you're obviously working on it all week. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Training then becomes, you know, not that it is meant to be like all fun and games, but, you know, it, it then became like, just like all about the match day on a Saturday from Monday to Friday. And, you know, it is, it can like affect you a lot because then all you're thinking then on Saturday is, right, well, you know, this is what we have to do. And, and sometimes you're not really playing to your strengths, you're just basically playing to try and keep the opposition obviously away and, and, and try and get a win rather than, you know, expressing yourself, enjoying yourself and stuff. So it, it does take its toll um, physically and mentally on you, yeah. And we will, we will get into more positive uh, topics in a second, but obviously the Accrington-Stanley away game was a particularly low point last season. It was Derek Adams' last game. Jack Neverton asks, what happened on the day of the Accrington game and at the end of 2018-19? I can't obviously go into to much detail on what happened because it'd just be disrespectful towards yes. you know past staff and stuff like that. But it was a day that you know I, I hope that a lot of us can just literally erase because that's all I could say about it. It was literally just one of the days that we should never even think about. But it happened, and 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 rightly so. The fans shown every bit of anger, and and obviously the club acted upon it by 
saying like that's enough now. And then us players had to take responsibility then to to help Nance, who then took charge and and show a bit of character and a bit of heart to to do everything we can to try and keep the club up. Yeah, we actually had Nance coming in uh, in the build up to that uh, that game. Um, he was put in temporary charge. Came and did the podcast with us that week. It just seemed to be all about positivity and just trying to get everybody behind the team. It worked to an extent, didn't it? Because you went out and won that game. On the no, he was. Nance was brilliant. He, he really was. He's he couldn't have done it any better than what what he was he was asked to do. Um, he, he he pulled the likes of me, um, guys, and and players like that to say, look like. Keep the lads, keep the lads up. We've got one game. That's all we can do now is go out, win the game, and what else happens happens. And and like you said, that's what we did, and and we we deserve that win. And it's just a shame that you know someone else couldn't do us a favour. That that Scunthorpe game was a was a weird one, Sars. I mean, um, a full house, three sided ground, admittedly, but there was a tremendous atmosphere when you, you know, the teams came out before the kick off from the, the Devonport end. It was amazing. You won the game, but still got relegated. And there was the, the Josh Morris incident. I saw him playing for Fleetwood the, uh, the other night yeah. on the TV. And uh, yeah. you know, the, the, where Matt Macy went to throw the ball out. Um, and Josh Morris kept it in play and, um, and lobbed it over him because Matt was injured at the time. Now, yeah. Firstly, how aware were you as players during that game about what was happening between uh, Southend and Sunderland? Because that could have um, impacted your chances of staying up. And, yeah. and what did you make about that Josh Morris goal? Um, you know, what, was it easy to get over as you won the game anyway? The, um, I'll just speak for myself. Like in that game, the the actual the roar that happened, I think it was around the seventieth minute. Honestly, yeah. spent, it was the, the most like I can't even tell you the feeling I had through my body, thinking, you know, we've actually done it. Like we're going to do it, and then the the eeriness just that just happened instantly. Obviously, as players, you just you can tell and you you can get you feel the mood and. And then I I went off as well because I, I I think I was I felt something in my car but I went off and I was just sat out off, like outside of the dugout just sat on my own and I was just constantly asking Reese like how long what's happening blah blah and then you just you just seen it though and and you just sort of got a feel that it, it weren't happening and I just was like I wish you you know you just wanted the ground to swallow you up and and for it, that day to just be over it, it felt like that and then the Josh Morris. I listen. I played with Josh at Fleetwood, and you know, teammates with him for two years. But I ain't got a good word to say about that situation. Like, I, I, I keep my mouth shut because I'll probably get in trouble if this obviously goes on Twitter. But I just listen. I get that. I, I understand that. You know, the magnitude of games. Scunthorpe in a situation like we are, but you know, there's a certain point of how to go about it. And I just think, I just, I, I'll just, yeah, that's all I'll end it on. I just think he's, he's, he's a, there's a way to go about it, and he, he just shown his true colours. That, that game, you mentioned, the, you know, the raw in the 70th minute and then the absolute eeriness. That just sums up what it's like to be a football fan, doesn't it? Within about 10 minutes, you know, the highs yeah. and lows of being a football fan. Definitely, 100%. And, uh, and like I said, I, obviously I'm a football fan and as a football mm. player, I've, I was living it as the player. And even on the pitch, you're trying to focus on the game which we were doing and we were winning and then you heard the roar and you're thinking we've done it and then within like I said a matter of minutes as a player I just felt I felt it and I just it just sucked everything out of us and I just thought like I just wanted that the, like the day to just finish because you know it, it didn't go as everyone wanted it to be and then you just think what if and then and then yeah it was just it was devastating 
Yeah, you, you said after the game as well, Sars, that it was really important for you personally to right the wrongs of that relegation season and help Argyle get back out of League 2 and into League 1. Uh, you certainly did that. Not only did the team achieve that goal, but you did it by being the player of the year. Why was yeah. that so important to you? It just is. Like I said, like I, the clubs took me and my family in. It's, it's got a special place in my heart. Like, And I just, it was the first relegation I've had in my career and I just thought, I, I'm not experiencing that ever again. Like, I can't experience that. I don't want fans, I don't want my family to see it. And, and I just wanted it to implement to the, the squad that was going on in this year. I just sort of took a role to say, that that's not happening. This club's going straight back up and, and you're, you're going to help us do it. And and that's all I sort of had that mentality of doing to, towards the team. And, and like you said, I sort of just had it in myself to try and, and do it as best as I can. And, and luckily I did. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll get some quick-fire questions from some more of the fans that have got in contact with us. As I said, we did have a lot. Um, and John Lloyd asks, what do you think about being called the Manchester Messi? Yeah, it's a new one. I don't <laughs> mind. I think it's, I think it's brilliant, yeah. Um, it's funny when it, when it gets mentioned. I always watch that Salford goal and when, when the... Uh, I don't... Who was it who was, who was commentating? Who's Savage. Is it? He, obviously... And it, my dad loves it, and like it, it's just brilliant. Like that's probably the best time I've heard it is when he commentated on that game. Fantastic. He was a big Argyle fan as well, sir. So um, there was a bit of an Argyle fan in that commentary as well. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could imagine. I could, I could tell. I, I just think it's brilliant. I watch it all the time. It's class. Uh, another one from Matthew Pinning. Again, he thanks you for your efforts for Argyle. Um, your, what are your favourite goals during your time with the club and thoughts about Argyle's chances of doing well next season in League One? I think you touched on your goal there with... Uh, yeah. yeah, I've obviously mentioned that uh, in past like, stuff there. Yeah, that's definitely um, one of my, one of my uh, favourite goals for Argyle, 100%. Um, well, and, and then on that... As well, Sars, which is, you, you know, pretty much your hometown. You say you grew up yeah. in Hyde, not too yeah. far away from Salford. Did that make well, it special as well? Yeah, that's it. I had I had so many. I, honestly, I can't tell you how many people were there who who came to watch me because obviously it's rare that my friends and stuff and, and family can come and watch. So I couldn't even tell you how many people were there. So that's why it was it was a nice moment. But I think myself as well. I still I still feel like my Cambridge goal away from my first game on on my my first start is was is still long in my memory. Like I I, I love that goal and and that's probably one of my favourites as well. And Argyle's chances for next season? I yeah, I touched upon it before. I think they're in. I think with with the with the gaffer in charge and and obviously the way he's kept, you know, eight of the ten. Obviously, I don't know about fads, but eight of the ten lads signing on. I think you know they they know how the gaffer is. They they know how he plays. So it's not like it's a fresh start. And he's going to obviously bring one or two, three of his own players that he wants to bring in. And I just think it, it's all. Um, it's all, it all adds up nicely for another successful season, which I'll be keeping a close eye on, definitely. So, as Michael Kimbers asked, if available, will you join us at an away game and be in with the Green Army? Definitely, 100%. There's a Tuesday night away game and it's up north. I, I'm there. I'm definitely there, definitely, yeah. It's amazing how many ex-players do that, Sars. I mean, I yeah. can think of Sonny Bradley was at Stevenage. Um, I saw um, some tickets for that game. Yeah, yeah, like Sonny is honestly. So I speak to Sonny and um, virtually every day. Like he's a close mate, a friend now. And honestly, that, that that's the thing with our guy. Like especially with what the squads I've known over the past two three years. You see Jake, 
and Luke, yeah. they all still comment on 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 the Instagrams and stuff. They all show the support. It's it's got that feel of a of a club about it. That's that all the lads will now. That's what I say. Argyle has a close um, a close part in the, in their lives, and, and and everyone stays in touch. And you probably don't have to buy yourself a drink, I'd imagine. I just thought I was going to say then. I just hope that someone could sort me a ticket then, if if uh, if, if I can get to one of the games. I'm sure they will. Tickets, you get the bomb rules. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ian Hill says, "What's it like to score in front of the Green Army in front of the Devonport end? Because we loved it when you did." And on a personal note, he also wants to say thank you for your 100% commitment to to Argyle. No, I appreciate that. Um, that's just that was just the way I was in, in training every day, and then on a Saturday, that's how I was. He's, he's special, honestly. Um, I can't even, I can't think what my first goal was in front of the Devonport end, but just thinking of this season with with how the season was going, every goal that I scored in that end was was special, and and you and it meant meant uh, meant a lot to me to to uh, to make the fans happy on that side of the pitch. Do you, do you do you sometimes plan what you're going to do when you score, or does it just sort of happen and take? No, it's over? just instinct. Yeah, it's just instincts. Like obviously, two or three of them was were penalties, so it's like you know, if if I score this, I'm going straight over. So that's that's how I thought, but uh, stepping up to the penalties. You're braver than I am. I don't know if I run through these times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one from David Stevens. He asks, "Who is the toughest midfielder you have come up against, and why?" Um. There's a lot of tough ones in the That's a tough one. Uh, you don't really like. Uh, I, 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 that's a tough one. You don't really come off thinking, "Oh wow, he was he was he was unreal. Like he was amazing." But probably just because of magnitude of the game, probably maybe I sort of know him as well. Anthony Grant at Swindon, he's a good midfielder, and and I know him as well. I played against him so many times, so you know we have that a relationship of of playing against each other a lot and. He's a he's a he's a good midfielder and he's a good player and you know I do enjoy having a few few battles with him and then and and then friends off the pitch at the end but yeah just off the top of my head that that's probably one just because of the game this year at home park and so I know he was playing in defence but I just think that sort of magnitude of the game is it just sticks out of my head. So last your first goal at home park was in a three two defeat by Leighton Orient. You were two one up until the closing stages and then Orient nicked a couple of goals. Late oh, on, yeah. but you, yeah. you got the opening goal. Matty Kennedy was also on target. So I just had a quick look up and uh, yeah, but well, that that wasn't that wasn't the Devonport end though, was it? No, it was the other side. I can't. I don't know what my first goal was on the, in, in the Devonport end. It might be Berry. It might have been Berry at home when the gaffer got sent off. Right. <laughs> this doesn't make great podcasting, but I'm just having a quick. Berry, <laughs> yes, right, Berry. Was it very? Yeah. There you go. 2018, 3-0 home win. There we go. Um, Tamani Dio Garaga's last game. Yeah. Um, Graham Carey, Anthony Sarsavik, and some bloke called Ryan Lowe got sent off. There you go. Yeah, I thought it was that. Yeah. Yeah. And was that was that Leighton Orient game? Was that the Ball Boy game? Yes. Yeah. 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 I remember. From, my memory's awful, but I remember that from that game. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was. was awful. Awful. Tom Wosley says, how will you look at Plymouth as a club and a city in the, in the future? Will it be one that will hold a special place in, in your life? I mean, you've touched on that already, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it has been a big part of your life and your family's yeah. life. Yeah, definitely, 100%. And uh, we've, we've kept our house down there. And, and I, honestly, like, it's, 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 we'll be back so many times in the future. And, and I, I'm looking forward to uh, coming back down to Plymouth a lot. It's, 
it's, it's somewhere we'll, we will be on the regular, definitely. Another one from Freddie Harper Davis. Uh, how could you cope with all that travelling? Or how did you cope with all that travelling? It's, it's tough. But you get used to it. You do actually get used to it. You, you know, it's, it sort of becomes a norm to you. Like, you know, you, you get on the coach and then it's like, right, switch on. This is it now, travel mode. And we play cards and stuff. And, and you just get used to it. It just becomes a norm to what you do. It just doesn't, it just probably the missus gets annoyed that you get to two nights away from the kids. <laughs> are there many football manager players in the team? And if so, who are the best? There was, there was Jimmy, the analysis. There was Scotty Wooten. And before that was Matty Neal. But at the minute, it's Jimmy Dicko and Scott Wooten. Them two are like obsessed with it. They have a right go at it, yeah. They play against each other, or is it separate games? You know, I don't know. I think it's separate games. But then Jimmy will come round the coach in, in like year two thousand and thirty-five, and he'll tell us where we're all at in our careers. <laughs> and he said to me that I was assistant manager at Southport. <laughs> there we go. Your in fifteen years, if I'm not assistant manager at Southport, you don't take that game seriously. Um. So it's a little bit of like. If you can give us a little bit of an insight into the characters at Argyle, who were some of the sort of practical jokers in the team? I think you already know that one, don't you? It's um, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, Coops and Dom. They're the, they're probably two that just are constant, like, honestly. Well, good for the dressing room because they're just constantly just being like, like idiots. Um, yeah, so probably them two and then they just wind up John Lucas all the time telling him how rubbish his warm-ups are and stuff like that. <laughs> It's most, most, most important to have that sort of laughter and enjoyment as well because you yeah. know, fan, maybe fans don't understand that how much hard work it can be training all the time. So to have that sort of light-hearted side as well yeah. must be cool. You've got to, that's, that's touching upon like with the relegation season, like it's, you know, in comparison to when you're doing well to when you're not doing well, you, know, you, can, you, you're, you can afford to be seen to have a laugh and stuff, but when you're fighting relegation, all that is taken away and, and being serious, constant, like you said, and working hard and being serious and making it all plays a part. It is. It's tough, but it's hundred percent right. I think you have to, you have to have a difference, and 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 um, and a massive part of it has to be like a, a dead good camaraderie within the squad. And when new signings arrive, one of the great things I love is when videos are released of players singing. Um, yeah. That's I, I love to watch them. What is your, what's your go-to song, and who's the best and worst singer that you heard at Argyle? You know what? Because obviously I was at Argyle for three and a half years. I can't remember. The only one I remember I did was at Fleetwood on my first year when I signed. And we was away in pre-season. Obviously, we were a bit drunk. And I sung Peter Andre. And that's the only one I can remember I did. And that, that's how random it is. I sung Peter Andre. So that was that. And the best one at, I've heard at Plymouth would be... Um, Joey was pretty good, actually. Tafari Moore. You've probably seen his Instagram, haven't you? Like, he loves it, doesn't he? But he was actually, like, very good. And we actually got him to sing again when he finished his song at the end of the again. But he loves it, doesn't he? So he, he sort of, like, wanted to do it and, and loved it. So you're getting ready for your Peter Andre again? Are you, are you preparing your vocal cords for him? Yeah, yeah, I don't think I'll go down that route again. That was just because you know, I was a bit, a bit, bit, I had a few too many um, drinks and stuff. So I don't know what I'll go for. I'll have to um, have a bit of research, definitely. There we are. Which Peter Andre song it was? I think you know, don't you? <laughs> I think it's not the one we all know anyway. That's how random it is. It's just the one that we all know, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah. The only one I can name. Um, 
Which player had the worst fashion sense? You see a lot of players talking about this type of thing on social media sometimes. Um, see, I, I hate this because I feel like, you know, you're just, you're just killing someone. But, is, it, uh, is, is there anyone with sort of particularly funny fashion sense then? Or, or like a bit... So a bit like, do you know, right, there's, about, there's a few of us. There was me, Gaz. This, I'm not saying I had the worst fashion sense, but me and Gaz and... Um, but we was always the ones that if someone come in with a bit of rascal rascal gear, <laughs> people would look at like me and Gaz to like say like right come on like and so there was a few times I'll, I'll try and touch upon like Will Ainson loves a very very terrible jumper style, terrible. Niall Canavan, he just he doesn't even care what he wears. That's how that's how bad he is. And then um, last probably the last one I'd say Dom Telford. Have you had to hijack some of those items and get rid of them then, Sars? See, he's, too, he's, he's changed now. Ten years ago, you, people would be cutting clothes up and stuff <laughs> like that. It's, it's all changed now. You, you, get in, you get in too much trouble for it and maybe start a couple of fights. So it's all changed. It's all gone too nice now. <laughs> and what, what's one of the funniest dressing room stories you can tell us? Or is it a case of what happens in the dressing room stays in the dressing room? Um, yeah, it is, yeah, but there's... It's, it's obviously a quick fire question. I, you can't think off the top of your head, but um, I can't. I, I honestly couldn't tell you like off the top of my head because but there are there are plenty of laughs that you have, which is always yeah, of course, yeah. There's there's so many, but you're probably more like you have to be there to to see it rather than me <laughs> tell, tell a story. So so I'm um, getting near the end of the podcast. Um, we had so many messages from people thanking you for for all you did at the club on and off the pitch and uh, yeah. you know you did some stuff um you know in the last few months during this coronavirus um yeah. pandemic so um we, we have our regular listeners so it's great they've all got in touch and that's why we'd be so pleased that you could spare the time to do this podcast yeah, with us because, um, you certainly became a big fan favorite and um you know i'm sure that whenever you come back to home park and it sounds like you you might do as a, as a yeah. fan maybe or whatever in the future You'll, yeah. you'll get a great welcome. And just on a personal note, um, we did quite a few interviews in your time at Argyle. Um, always enjoyed the ones after the wins. You know, yeah. the ones after defeats weren't quite as much fun for you or for no. I. Um, but I really appreciate your time and I wish you all the very best that you will need. No, I appreciate that, Chris. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Like, like I said, it's all part and parcel and now we're sat here, you know, smiling our faces. It's fine. Don't worry. Have you thought about what it would be like if you were to play against Argyle Sauce? I've not no, but you know that'll be when that does that time does come. Honestly, like it's, I'll 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 look forward to that day. I really will. It'll it'll mean a lot to me to to be able to to play back at home park whenever whenever I do, and and uh, just to be to see the fans and the club and everyone associated, all the staff and everyone. It, that'll be a nice moment. That and I hope that it does happen. And if not, you'll have to you'll have to arrange a friendly when you're the assistant manager of Southport. We'll have to. Yeah, you go. That's the next one. <laughs> We are coming up to Southport, we're not coming down there. <laughs> We've done enough travelling in the time. Uh, well, thanks again to, to Anthony Sarsovich for sparing the time to speak to us. Uh, we'll be back again next week to discuss all the latest, go latest goings on, even. Sars, I'll tell you what, I've got this sort of last word here, but I think we should pass it on to you. Do you want to give a little message to the Green Army and just say farewell? Yeah, honestly... Um... Like I said in, in, in on my on my tweets and stuff like 
again, it holds a special place in my heart. I can't thank the fans for taking me and my family, and it was, it's a massive, massive, um, like a, a massive honour that they, that they did, and it made my time and my family's time so special. And then, like I touch upon the football side of things again. Let's like not try and look on that relegation, and and now look forward. And I'm just glad that I did did what I could to get the club back up and. I can't wait to see where where they, where they go because it's exciting times for Plymouth Argyle and and um, one I'll always keep an eye on and and trust me I'll be I'll be standing with the Green Army soon. Well, I hope they do. I hope I can get a ticket because I'd love to I'd love to be a part of it. But again, thanks to everyone and um, I, and I hope you I hope you all do well and take care. Yeah. <laughs> We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.